1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the show's starting now. Take the. T- why? Why have you got? Ow. You know what you look like you look like when the people get the face.
0: Ow! I taped my
1: eyebrow. Now why would Ow. you do? Why would you come in here today? Oof, God. Ouch. Why would you come in here today and do that? Why? What is wrong with you? I'm a little fatigued. <laughs> <laughs> so you stuck scotch, scotch tape?
0: Yeah. <laughs> On my nose. On oh, your nose. I taped my nostrils. Up towards my forehead. Oh, this is gonna be a, uh, this is going to be a no, long day. No, 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 day. no. I haven't started making potty sounds yet, so I'm okay. Yeah, there was one show you did all potty sounds. Yeah, I was making like the sounds, yeah, but yeah. I but I'm okay right now. No, no, no. I'm uh, just a little little delirious, but wow, I feel like I gave myself like an instant skin peel ripping that scotch tape off of my face. It's like an exfoliator.
1: It is it's it's fascinating. Dave. Who
0: needs these fancy dermatologists <laughs> when you have Scotch, Scotch Day? Like, whoosh. um. Anyway, no. Welcome to the uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to the yeah. show. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the J M J U show. Oh, God huh?
1: God for huh? Sakes, isn't that wonderful?
0: Yeah, it wonderful is. I gave you a little thing. some prop, a little props prop. there. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. All right, I'm seriousing up right now. So right, right
1: last week you said you were gonna to get to a serious segment. I
0: am gonna to get to a serious segment. And uh okay, so I've been working on the doctors, right? Working on Dr. Phil. And of course the segments in daytime are kind of heavy. I mean, it's amazing. Parents with children that are hundreds of pounds overweight, parents uh who literally program their children for eating disorders I had to do a segment and again I say I don't want to give away too much but I I had to do a segment with a child who was four years old and 122 pounds what yeah he's heavier than me and he's four so (laughs) and and then on the same show there was a segment with a mom who told her daughter fat people are gross? Fat people, fat women don't marry rich husbands. Um, the kid is 11 right now. She put her on the grape diet. I don't even heard of that. She she got to eat grapes oh, no. before a beauty pageant. Um, I I mean she's literally programming her daughter for anorexia or bulimia. Or, I, or much worse, right, okay, yeah. yes, thank you um so first of all here's here's an interesting question for you because I went into this uh with a different attitude than I came out of it, right, so I thought I was not able to reason at all with this, and I just thought these parents are evil monsters, right, as I was reading the prep for the show, I thought they're evil monsters, even though i I know better. Uh, my something inside of me was like, these people are the devil. So first off, I mean, I guess my question to you would be, and I mean, ask yourself this. If you're listening, I want you to ask yourself this right now. Should the state get involved and should these kids be taken away from
1: their parents? Ooh, that's an incredibly tough ethical question. Right?
0: There are There are no easy answers, no. Um, which which I'm going to get into to that whole concept in, in a minute. But because you know that you take them out of their home and you put them into the foster care system and we all know that that system is horribly horribly broken Very flawed. Uh, and you might be they might be in a foster care home with equal uh, po- possibilities for abuse um, abuse scenarios that could be far more sinister if that's even possible since this is these are both life-threatening uh, conditions we're talking about severe morbid obesity and, and anorexia although the child does not appear to have the 11 year old did not appear to have anorexia but it would seem inevitable uh, given this this line of programming yep. that the mom is is drilling into her head. And again, I don't want to give away too much of the show because I'll get in trouble, but <laughs> I, I will say that I went in just ready to tear these parents to pieces. Right. And I, it's like, and I start out one segment and I say to the mom with the four year old who's 122 pounds. And I say to her, are you a stupid woman? And she looks at me like I'm crazy. And I said, are you dumb? She's like, no. And I said, can you add and subtract? And she's like, well, yeah, why? And I said, well, weight loss is simple math. So I'm trying to figure out if you're functioning from a place of idiotic oblivion or what degree of abuse are you inflicting upon your child and why are you doing it? So she goes on to kind of tell me, uh, you know, lie to me about the diet that she's feeding this kid and try to talk about the doctors, and the doctors won't help. And, uh, by the way, there's there's nothing wrong with this kid other than the fact that he's being grossly overfed. I'm telling you right now. Mm -hmm. And to make a long story short, I am hammering this woman, right? I'm going at her. Why are you feeding this kid this way? What do you feel when you feed this kid this way? She's giving me the I don't knows, which we all know, you know, that's a defense mechanism. I don't know, I don't know. And in a tape, I had her saying to the producers of the show that feeding her family and nurturing her family was her life so when i showed her that tape she immediately started sobbing and she talked about never wanting her kid to be hungry never wanting her kid to feel empty and then of course you see footage of the four-year-old being like mommy sandwich like crying and screaming and it's like Holy cow, that's incredibly nerve-wracking. That's incredibly hard to hear and incredibly hard to see. And I would imagine as that kid's parents, you'd feel like you can't soothe him. You can't console him. Uh, And when I asked her to tell me about the hunger, she started just, again, sobbing and crying. So the obvious uh, thing that's happening here is she, by the way, not a thin woman herself... She is feeling empty and she is feeling hungry, hungry for that metaphorical hunger, that greater hunger for love, fulfillment, meaning. And she is projecting that into her son and she's thinking, I will never let him feel this hunger, I will let her never never let him feel this emptiness. I will nurture him, I will feed him. And I also suspect that this is this gives her life a meaning. You know, I feed him, I feed him, this is what I do, this is what I do, this is what I do, this is this is, this is is my job, this is my meaning in the world right now. And she, honestly, I've got to tell you, I don't think that she was at all conscious, in fact I'm positive, that she wasn't at all conscious of what she was doing or why she was doing it. And like I said, I don't want to give it away, you'll watch the show and you'll see... You'll see her, this was a Dr. Phil show, her begin to realize that she's lying about what she's giving him, see on tape what she's actually feeding him, and then come to the realization of why she's feeding him like this. And it is, it's devastating, quite honestly, because here's a woman that I thought was just one, honestly going into it, having read the information right, before right. I did the job, I was like, she's a sadist. She's a monster, right? That's what I had thought. I thought she's a sadist. She's a monster. She's, she is uh, doing, she's doing this. this on
1: purpose. Yeah. She's oh, absolutely.
0: Yes. Yeah. So I was like, of course she is. This has to be, a, you know, this isn't an accident, but it turns out that this is actually a loving mother, despite the fact that she is seriously and dangerously misguided. She is a loving mother. She does love this kid, but she is literally loving him to death. And this pain inside of her is so unbearable. She can't contain it. She can't sit with it. She can't be consoled. She can't be comforted. It's so unbearable that she medicates it with food, and she feeds her child to prevent him from ever feeling it. And then, of course, you know, when he's like, Mommy, because, of course, he's been conditioned to eat. That's all he does. When he's like, Mommy, sandwich, sandwich, Mommy, it brings up those feelings like, oh, my God, he's he's hungry. Oh, my God, he's, he's needing something, and he's not getting it. And, you know, food, she just constantly pacifies him with food. Now, the next segment, right, the mom with the kid and the fat people are gross, and I'll never let my daughter be fat and blah 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 blah. The next segment with this lady, turns out she was grossly overweight, and she's had lap band and she's lost a large amount of weight. I can't remember exactly how much. Still, um, still could lose a little bit, but uh, but you know, it sounds, seems like she's lost a, a large amount. And she was saying I would get her lap band, I would get her surgery, I would make her breasts bigger to make her waist look smaller. I mean, all of this stuff, Jesus. right? Yeah. And I, you know, I start and I'm vicious, vicious from go, because I'm not empathizing with her. I'm thinking you are, you're, you've, you've turned the corner, you've gone to evil, right? That's what I'm thinking. And I, I'm like, why would you send this message to your daughter? Why would you tell her that her only worth depends on the man that she marries and her physicality and blah, 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 blah. Um, and I got to say, I learned so much working with Dr. Phil uh, in this scenario because Dr. Phil wasn't, and I, you know, I always thought Dr. Phil was kind of a hard ass. I thought Dr. Phil was more of a hard ass than me. And Dr. Phil... You know, he, he continued his line of questioning with her and he talked to her about her feelings of being overweight. And it turns out that she had felt being overweight was so debilitating and so scarring for her being an outcast, being bullied, uh, feeling unlovable, not attracting a man. Uh, all of these things, right, that she would rather she would give anything to see her daughter never experience that. So she's gone to the opposite extreme, and in doing so, is programming this kid for an eating disorder. So now I'm thinking to myself, okay, once again, life is not black or white. These parents are doing these; they are committing uh, what I would, what I clearly would deem child abuse, right? And at the same time, their motives. Are not sinister motives. No. And that is what's so sad is that they're they're so wounded and they're so broken inside that they don't even see that the way that they think they're loving their children is literally killing them is extraordinarily dangerous. With the little four year old it's life threatening. The eleven year old ended up meeting later backstage and you know she seems uh, she seems okay right now she's physically okay she's healthy i don't know what's going on at home obviously with with her but i wanted to talk about this on the show today because first of all if you're a parent you have got to take some responsibility for what is going on with your kids and you can't say oh they sneak into the fridge in the middle of the night or uh, you know, it's it's there's something wrong with their body or, you know, they have a disease or whatever it might be. You've You've got to look at what is going on with your kids and what you're contributing and what your motives are, because both of these moms were not even aware of what they were doing or why they were doing it. And you might think, that you're helping your child or you're loving your child or you're trying to prevent them from some pain that exists inside of you. But if you're seeing a problem manifesting with the kid, you've got to ask, why? Why? As a parent, I think the best gift you can give your child is to be self-aware and do your own work. You need to know where your pain exists, where your weaknesses are, where your lack of evolution exists on a psychological level, could become an issue in your parenting. As I do my own therapy work and I look towards becoming a parent, I realize in patterns that I have with my sister and my brother that I don't like when they're separate from me. I don't like when they have separate views from me. Because I think to myself, if we have separate views, then we're separate. Then we're not connected. Then we'll grow apart. And my shrink explains, he's like, your children will not be a narcissistic extension of who you are. You cannot impose your dreams and your desires onto your child. You have to support them and you have to love them no matter who they become, if it, even if it's different from you. So I know that I'm already set up to say, oh, you're going to become a member of the Tea Party? I'm going to kill myself. Right? <laughs> you know, again, my point, again, and if you're a member of the Tea Party, God bless. That's not what this show's about. I'm not here to, to talk to you about political views. But my point is, if my child becomes different than me. I know I need to work on allowing them to be separate. I know that that is something that's going to be hard for me. But you're, the best thing you can do for your kid is do your own work. Be a role model for them. Be a role model. Be that change, the change that you You desire the thing that you're imposing upon them, impose it upon yourself. Do the work on you, not on them, and they will follow suit. Because kids interpret those things, by the way, as being unlovable, needing to be changed, needing to be fixed. Uh, parents that weigh their children, parents that make issues of their weight or of their problematic skin, if they're going through teenage years, kids don't see this as help. They see it as needing to be fixed. And you need to look at why you're trying to fix them. Do you feel like it makes you look like a bad parent? Are you trying to keep them from feeling a pain you felt? You have to look at that. And by the way, if you are a child that has grown up with a parent that put you through things of this nature, the best way to forgive them is to understand them. And if we could flash forward 20 or 30 years into the future with one of these kids, whether it would be the 11-year-old girl or the 4-year-old boy, and you know that there's going to be serious ramifications and lasting effects of, of uh, that linger from, from this upbringing and, and this type of programming, if they can go back and say, okay, my mom was so misguided and it was it was so hard and it affected me in these ways, but she was trying to keep me from a pain that she felt inside of herself so whether she was wrong or not she did love me and it wasn't malicious it was misguided and and, and, and lack of lack of strength lack of tools lack of information lack of support and this can be a deadly combination unconscious emotional issues coupled with a lack of concrete concrete information about health and wellness can be deadly. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm telling you, if you're seeing these patterns in your children, if you're seeing these patterns with yourself, if you're seeing these patterns with your parents, you've got to get to the bottom of it. You have to look inside. You have to ask why. You have to ask what you contributed or if it happened to you, why it happened to you, what your parents had gone through. Because I can't tell you the 180 that I made going from going into these segments to coming out of them. And I never thought that I could feel such such compassion and compassion is usually not something I feel. I feel empathy. Um I tend to feel empathy, but I I felt my heart breaking for these parents. And I thought going in that they were criminals.
1: Right.
0: And I realized it's it's just a lack of <sighs> They don't have the bandwidth. No one ever gave them the tools. No one ever helped them become aware of these feelings inside of them that they aren't even conscious are there and are playing out in a very dangerous way. Uh, Which also brings me to a totally different segment uh, that I thought we might talk about next, which is the fact that life is not black or white. We cannot form these absolute attachments to things. We cannot live in these polar extremes. And we talk about this a lot with diet, right? Like you can't be all or nothing. But nothing in life is all or nothing. And learning how to live in that gray place where things are not all bad or they're not all good is a critical, integral tool when it comes to leading your healthiest, happiest life. And I want to talk about that after our little break. Which I assumed you were going to break up. I was up. going,
1: I was, I was, did you see me coming forward? Did see me coming <laughs> forward? <laughs> it is. I'm getting a little tea break. I need a little caffeine. You need a little caffeine. I, yeah, uh, we both need a little caffeine. So, yeah, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back. Okay. All the
0: night slowly closes in. And I feel so lonely. Touching me, freezing on my skin.
1: I pretend you... Ready to continue? I'm ready to continue. Yeah, you look better. Oh, <laughs>
0: well, thank you. I feel I feel more alive. The blood's yeah, flowing. Good. Um, this segment is—it uh, doesn't even have any 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 sort of structure. I don't even know where I'm going with it. Other than to to know in my heart that we need to talk about this. It's something that I've been experiencing a lot lately. Um, and it's something that has evolved as I've aged. And it's the ability to accept the world as a place of, of gray. And on my, in my youth, I, I saw the world as black and white. Mm-hmm. And I think that black and white is, is a very secure place because when something is all good, then you never have to be mad at it. And when something is all bad, then you never have to grieve when it sucks or be mad when it sucks because it sucks so you can just throw it away. And being able to hold on to these concrete beliefs, it provides structure in a crazy chaotic world. These are the rules. And I cling to these rules. They are they are a you know, a a, a raft in the middle of a crazy ocean. I I have these ideas and these beliefs and they make me who I am and this is the way that the world is and it defines me and it defines the world that I live in and it I'm secure in that. And again, it it also helps you avoid loss, heartbreak, disappointment, sadness because change, yeah, change all of yeah. that. Thank you, change. Thank you so much for for bringing up that point. Because, for example, with a parent, it's like I'll even use my dad, and I and I I bring this up. It's like here's a guy that I don't talk to, right, and I would love to completely say this guy is a total SOB, he is a worthless individual, and it doesn't upset me for him not to be in my life, right, I write him off, he is black, out of there, moving on. But what I've come to learn is that there were parts of my father that were great. There were parts of him that were fun and that were loving and that were uh, exciting and that made me who I am. You know, my my dad taught me to question the rules. My dad taught me that I would always land on my feet. My dad gave me a sense of adventure and he gave me the ability to confront fears. There was so much that I got from him, my drive, uh, my very dry sense of humor, Uh, and there was such a long time that I wanted to be able to throw that away. Such a long time that I wanted to be able to say he's all bad. Because now that I look back on those things, the good times, it makes you cry. It makes you grieve. It makes you miss that person, right? And those things and, and be sad that you, you didn't have the dad that you wanted or the father that you wanted. That he wasn't the person you needed him to be. Um, and that you missed the parts of him that were good. And the reason I've chosen not to have him in my life now is because he is utterly destructive and I, I cannot manage him with boundaries. It's just, it is... He's toxic, so he's, you know. Yes, yeah, 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 there we go. Um, but then I have to grieve the fact, you know, that he's not right. around. And right. that's the hard part. And that's where the hard part comes in of seeing the world as as a as gray, as a shade of gray, of not black or white. And even when when I'm on The Doctors, right, and, and so much of that show is is debating now so much of it is about it, it's about debating viewpoints and ideas and hot topics and even things like, I mean, my God, it even if you were to take and again, I'm not, I don't want to get political here. But even if you look at something like abortion, right, and we, we actually haven't uh, aggressively debated that topic on the show, but as I just sit back and i listened to, to two differing points of view on it i mean it's like well what if the girl was raped well what if the girl was molested okay well i i mean that certainly presents a different point of view well you know okay but up to 3 months you know up to 3 months it's just a few cells what about a woman's right to choose okay right and then at, then you know i've got one doctor saying over here you realize that I, you know, on one day I could try to be, I could spend all my time trying to save a five-month-old baby, a five-month-old fetus. I'm sorry, fetus. And on the same day, I could, uh, I could end the life of a four-month-old fetus. And suddenly, this is not, it's not black or white. You can't stand on one side of an issue, at all. You, you cannot. You, you have to. You, it's like you look at the world and. It's every case is unique, every scenario is different. You cannot approach life with a set opinion or set of views because you're not going to be able to function appropriately or feel appropriately in the present moment with the given circumstance if you're bringing all these ideas or opinions to the table. Does that make any sense of what's right or what's wrong? because every situation is different every circumstance is different and even what i was talking about uh, just a few minutes ago with the parents that are clearly abusing their children okay so you're like i'm i want we should remove those kids right i went into that thinking we should call social services we should get those kids out of there those those kids are going to be they're going to die physically from this this is life threatening and but then it's like then you look at foster care and what happens in foster care and then you look at the motives behind the parents and then you start saying okay This is not black or white. If we provide help for these parents and counseling for these parents and give them the tools, then they'll be able to get themselves on track and subsequently their child back on track. But even when we approach our own life with the black or the white, you know, if I don't achieve this, I'm crap. If I don't do it that way, I'm crap. It's all or it's nothing. You go on a diet and it's all or it's nothing. You eat perfectly for two weeks and then you slip up, right? And suddenly you're a loser. You're a failure. When for two weeks you've been doing amazing. Right. It's this idea of the world. You know who you are and you know what you believe. And you know, it, it functions like this and you believe that, and whatever it might be, whether it's abortion or gun control or diet or exercise, I don't know what. But I I'm I'm begging you, as I've as I've aged. <laughs> I have learned the the invaluable asset of seeing the world with an open mind, coming to the world with a clean slate and bringing a completely fresh perspective to something. Because if you cannot do that, you're never able to be in the present moment. You're never able to experience things as they truly are. You're never able to open up to change or possibility,
1: it's like living in the. Pa- I don't know if you've ever heard that, to put it this way, but it's like living in the pause. Explain. Well, if you're faced with a with a decision, if you're faced with something or or an opinion or something, instead of reacting, that first impression, like your first impression in, right. in the last segment, your first impression was, they're wrong, they're evil. Yes. And if you take a second just to go, pause, sit oh, sit I in see that pause mean. to give your mind to hear the other stuff. If we if we're if we're running to go black or white, and we don't live in the pause. Then we can't. Uh, it's a really uncomfortable place to be. Oh, it's the worst. It, it is. <laughs> tell you. yeah, and, and it ain't easy, and it's no. frustrating, and it's and it's like you you don't feel like you feel like you're not even on this earth. Your feet aren't planted. But if you can live in it, it's like not sending the email right away. It's like yes. sitting with it overnight. Yes. Just let it sit. Because nine out of ten times, you're not going to send it the next day because you let yourself pause.
0: Calm. You're Calm, totally right? right.
1: So maybe that's kind of you gray. go from impulse
0: to reason. To reason. And it, it's like we we react so impulsively based on the things that we think we know our ideas and our past oh, yeah. experiences we bring all of our baggage to the table as well and that that tends to color a situation and it you know you immediately go oh, I've seen this before I know what it is but you you need to you're right if you can live in that pause and you can stay open you protect yourself from impulsive dangerous behaviors you don't limit or cut yourself off from the ability to Grow and learn and experience the world in different ways that could possibly enrich your life in dramatic ways you never knew possible.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And in addition, it's, it's, God, I, I don't even know, I don't even know how to live in, in that black or white space anymore because I feel like I see too much now. Mm. And, I, and it's a painful place to be because when you combine good and bad, there's loss inevitably there's heartache and and then it becomes uh, s- strengthening your ability to deal with those feelings and pausing does nothing other than allowing you to bring up emotions and process them and process it. yeah <laughs> which nobody ever wants to do yeah. cuz it sucks yeah but i'm going to say that we are all capable of it we are all capable of sitting in those difficult feelings and processing them and surviving them and allowing them to help us become that much wiser that much deeper that much more capable of vulnerability and therefore intimacy and wisdom oh, don't mention
1: the intimacy i know the intimacy
0: is the worst. It's the worst it is oh my god because the only way to get there the only way to get there is to be vulnerable and that is what's truly Ain't hard the truth but anyway,
1: Amen, my good, sister. Yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise Logan. the Lord.
0: Anyway, that's all. I just want you to, the next as you as you approach these things throughout your day, I want you to leave it all, your baggage at the door, leave your preconceived notions, leave all of these ideas that you cling to that you think define you, and come with an open mind. And as Janice says, live in the pause and, and see how you grow and see how your life becomes that much richer.
1: Right, now cool. what? Now, now we get to talk. Cool. Now we get to talk. I we'll love take, it. Uh, we'll take a quick
2: break. All right.
0: You are pulled over, right?
2: Yes, I'm at the
0: bank. Okay, <laughs> we're, we're okay. All right, then. I just I don't want you getting in any accidents no. or anything. So as long as you're safe, okay then. Moving on, <laughs> what's going on? Well,
2: um, I had a question. I had gastric bypass surgery five years ago, and. Um, let go of myself a little bit and gained about 10 or 15 pounds back. And I really like started to whip my ass and shit. Can I say that? Oops.
0: Absolutely, um, honey. <laughs> who <laughs> are you talking to right now?
2: Can I say that? I'm like, I think I'm, you'll be fine. <laughs> I'm like, you know, so I actually started, I've never exercised in my whole life. Hated it and started at a 30 day shred. Like, I don't know, three weeks ago. And I really like it. Um, I couldn't even stand for the first three days, literally. But, you know, I'm over that. But my question is yeah. that after having gastric bypass surgery, I've lost 185 pounds. And um, I just, at this point, feel a little hopeless. Like, am I ever going to be where I want to be? And on top of that, like, you know, my stomach and my arms, it's like, am I ever going to look normal again? You know?
0: oh honey So
2: i'm like and i'm at the age i'm i'm really young i had it when i first turned 18 you know had a rough childhood and um gained weight from it you know and you know i've been in therapy forever and i'm studying to be a therapist so i've worked through a lot of those mental issues so i'm like 23 i've never even had a boyfriend or a date because of my self-confidence and how i look and now i'm like even exercise and i'm like this i'm never i'm never going to be normal again i've lost 185 pounds and whether i lose another pound or not i'm never going to be normal
0: oh wait i don't okay hold on hold on a second what does normal mean and we can have a very honest conversation i won't i won't bullshit you okay so tell me what you mean what's normal
2: Uh, my stomach is never going to be flat i'm never going to be able to wear a shirt a, a, a shirt a girl's shirt with you know, capped off sleeves because of, you know, flabby extra arm shit. And I'm never going to, you know. Okay. Okay. Do you mean, wanna, you
0: mean, so you mean that the skin is going to, the skin from having lost the weight is pre- preventing you from ever looking, quote, normal again. That's what you mean? Sort
2: of, yeah.
0: S- sort of? Or that's what you mean?
2: Yeah, definitely. That.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: I mean, in that's my fault,
0: you know. No, I no, 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 whoa, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. There is no fault. No one is at fault. There's nothing that you are at fault for. You you asked me a question about having your body look a certain way, and I just want to make sure that I understand what you want it to look like. You are not at fault for anything, okay? If you want to be, if you want to take responsibility for something, then why don't you take responsibility for the fact that you've lost a hundred and how much pounds?
2: 185, and I'm working on losing more, so hopefully more.
0: <laughs> okay, well then that you can take responsibility of, okay? So, let's talk about the facts. The facts are, there's extra skin, and it, you don't like it, right?
2: No, not at all.
0: <laughs> okay, and it makes you feel really self-conscious.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, I'm not going to minimize this for you. I'm not going to bullshit you. Um, I get it. I I mean, I've worked with contestants that have lost hundreds of pounds and they've got like 20, 30, 40 pounds of skin. And no matter how much weight they lose, it's there and they hate it and it sucks. And I don't blame, I don't blame you and I don't blame them. So I'm going to tell you a couple different things about this. Number one, I want you to focus on the fact that you've lost a ton of weight and you should be so, so proud of yourself there is nothing not normal about your body. But if you do not like the way that it looks, and with this, I'm going to tell you this is not a figment of your imagination. I understand the excess skin thing, and I get not liking it. It is a real thing after you lose weight. And there is a surgery that you can do, um, it's called like a, a body tuck. And basically, a plastic surgeon removes the excess skin. It's expensive and it's kind of painful. And it's kind of, you know, I'm being honest with you, honey. I told you I wouldn't bullshit you. It's expensive and it's kind of painful. Uh, It leaves scars, but it works. Um, It does remove, you know, Courtney just had it done. Uh, One of the contestants from season 11, I think they removed like 30 pounds of skin from her. Um, And what I would say to you is before you engage in that, I would really try to get to a place mentally where you don't you don't use words like it's my fault or I'm not normal because that worries me when you use words like I'm not normal and it's my fault it shows me that your head is not in a healthy place to begin with if you had said to me I lost 180 something pounds and I'm so damn proud of myself and I'm I'm doing awesome but I hate the skin I would feel better about you pursuing the surgery So that part, I really feel like you need to do a little bit more work on your head and accepting yourself where you're at um, and and with how far you've come. Because I got to tell you, I don't know what normal means. I mean, you and I could have the same conversation and I could say, you know what, I'm, I'm five foot two and everyone else is five, 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 seven, five, eight. I'm not normal. You know, I have cellulite all over the back of my butt and, you know, no other girls I know have it that work out and eat the way I do. I'm not normal. And you'd call me crazy, right? You'd say, Jillian, you're crazy. Your body is totally fine. Would you not?
2: Yeah, probably. Shut the hell up, you know? Okay. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> right, okay.
0: So I'm not I'm not asking you to shut the hell up, because I totally understand the skin thing. But when you say things like, I'm not normal, you have to understand there is no such thing as normal. So what worries yeah, and me... And
2: I don't mean like I'm a freak or anything. I just mean like, I feel like I have to still, after losing so much weight, so, ne- so many... Adaptation to You know um, Even still fit around my body You know And I hate that
0: You mean get in the clothes you want
2: Yeah that or um, You know even like swimsuits or whatever And you know like You know like you said people you know Take 30 pounds of excess fat off So I'm like Skin, skin
0: not fat skin honey skin. Different
2: I'm probably at least two sizes um, Larger than I really am because of all of that
0: You're not wrong I want I wish I could give you the mumbo-jumbo love yourself and all of that speech, and I am sort of because it is important, but you're not wrong. So here's here's what I want you to do. Do a little more therapy, okay? Really work on this word normal and the whole fault thing and try to get to a place where you understand there is no normal. There is the best you, and that's it. That There is no such thing as normal because normal sounds like you're comparing yourself to somebody else or some sort of ideal that you have in your head, which you'll never hit because none of us will. I won't hit that uh, your idea of normal either. I guarantee you that one part of my measurement or my physicality will be lacking in this ideal normal person or build that you've created in your head. So I want you to do a little more work on that. I want you to get to all the way down, lose all the weight that you think you need to lose to get to a healthy weight. How much do you weigh now?
2: I um, weigh 200 pounds.
0: Okay, and how tall are you?
2: Five, eight.
0: Mm, okay, so where do you want to get to? Like a 170?
2: Um, between like 150, 170, I don't know what would be ideal for my type because, you know, I'm never going to be like a Barbie or like a size two. I, I wasn't created to be that, and I know that. I, you know, have a bigger bone structure, and even when you look at me now, I don't look heavy. I don't really look, you know, mm-hmm. quote unquote, overweight. But I am. That's- I'm heavier than I actually look. Well,
0: okay, so sweetheart, you, so you're you're muscular. You you have good musculature. You've got good bone structure. You've got a little extra skin. I would say when you get to 180, go for a consultation, because again, they could remove 20, 30 pounds of skin. That's why. So uh, Holly from season four did it. Bill from season four did it. Danny from season eight did it. Jim from, you know, I mean, it's like I could go on and on and on. Michael Ventrella did it. Like all, all, all my contestants, many, many of them did it. But I, I want you to get to like 180. Go for a consultation with a plastic surgeon who has done many of these surgeries. Get, talk to their previous clients if they'll allow you to. They might not be able to disclose that, but ask if they have any patients that you can talk to. Uh, ask to see before and after pictures of their previous work. Um, get get their make sure they're board certified plastic surgeon. Make sure that you know they, they come very highly referred. Do your homework on them. Get a consultation, and then if it bothers you, and after doing that work, you choose to move forward. That that is the answer, and that is okay. I, it, you have learned how to eat healthy. You have the ability to lose weight. You've done that work. You've lost 185 pounds. If you don't like the excess skin, you you should absolutely go ahead and remove it. Because this isn't about a solution for you. This is a cosmetic thing. And you're not trying to put a band-aid on a deeper emotional issue. You're not using this surgery to lose the weight. You've done that work. So... That is my recommendation to you. And in the meantime, don't say things like it's my fault. Run around saying I lost 185 pounds. I'm a rock star. Okay. All right. And before, but,
2: yeah, that's really awesome. Um, I'm gonna do that. Yeah, and I, I will definitely work with the psychologist on the whole head thing. I've I've been working on it too. I'm actually in school to be a therapist. Huh. No, yeah.
0: and and that's, that's wonderful.
2: wonderful. But. but um, I, I will work on that but that's been the hardest thing to overcome and i'm sure you've you've known that working on the biggest loser you know you can lose the, the fat person but getting the mindset out is a whole nother
0: game but i don't want you to do the surgery until you do because you'll do the surgery and you still won't be happy because the mindset will still be there you yeah, you totally. understand
2: i mean obviously probably until i get out of college anyway
0: no just, don't put a time frame on it <laughs> because if you do it'll never come you just do well, this I have work it
2: will never come but College is expensive. <laughs> Student
0: life is... <laughs> right. No, that's true. I thought you were saying when I'm out of college, I'll get that mindset out of my head.
2: No, 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 no. Just probably we'll be in a better position financially and everything else right now. You know, I...
0: Good. I like the pause. I'm into that right now. I'm into you taking a minute... Trying to resolve and, and yourself mentally, trying to get that mindset out of your head, trying to trying to work on that, and getting a consultation and allowing a little time to pass, and then when you're when you're in a little better place emotionally and mentally about this, and you've you've gotten to the absolute bottom weight that you can get to you that's healthy, then you can get a consultation and think about it. Okay.
2: Okay. Can I ask one more question? Yeah. Or are you out of time? Um, with having the surgery and obviously, um, you basically starve yourself for like a whole year, you know, and, um, I, uh, I'm doing good now, but for quite a couple of years, I got really off track, didn't take any protein, any supplements, anything that I was supposed to take, you know, obviously got out of the mindset that, hey, you've really had this surgery, you really need to take care of yourself. And I've just now started, you know, taking protein and exercising again, and I'm finding that like doing normal things like i feel like my muscles are just so weak and i don't know if they're just deteriorated from not having enough protein for so long or is that something you normally experience with just an average person who just starts exercising honey that's not getting
0: sweetie if you haven't been exercising and you just start exercising of course you're going to feel weak and you've lost a ton of weight which if you weren't working out and eating properly like enough protein while you were losing weight, there's a good chance that you lost some muscle. In fact, there's, it's a fact that you will have lost some muscle while you were also losing fat. But this is not a foregone conclusion. You can easily rebuild your physique and you're doing the right things. You've incorporated some protein and you're working out. So, yeah, that's, it's normal to feel weak if you haven't worked out for a long time. And it's normal to have lost some muscle while you're losing weight. But all of this is, is easily fixable. With the behaviors that you're currently engaged in. Awesome. Okay.
2: Good, I'm on the right track.
0: <laughs> you're definitely on the right track.
2: Well, thank you so much for talking today. It made my day better, and oh. <laughs> I'm so glad that I found your workout DVD. Yes.
0: Oh well, I am too, honey, and thank you so much for calling. Well, thank you. Okay, bye. She's so young. It's so hard when you're so young.
1: Yeah, she got that. She got the bypass at eighteen. Like that's yeah. even even that even surgery at that age is yeah. Incre-
0: but I will say this about it: she got the bypass, but even people, you can get the bypass, but if you haven't learned how to eat right and and how to manage, you know how to how to be active, you won't lose weight. I've had a ton of people that I've worked with who've had the bypass and who are still huge. Really? Oh yeah. You can, you can eat your way through that sucker. You can eat your way around it. It's, no kidding. Oh, absolutely. Yes. You, you know, it's ice cream. It's milkshakes. It's sedentary. You know, that's it's still not a solution. So when people have had the bypass, but they've lost the weight and kept it off, I tend to believe that it's not just the surgery, that they've also incorporated uh, a healthier lifestyle. Those, yeah, because I've, I've seen it not work. Exactly. For people that don't. Learn yep. the bigger bigger lesson.
1: Now, as you know what we should discuss before we end the show hmm. is your new habit. What's my habit? Son of Bruce Paul. Yeah. And I were watching you Uh-oh. for a moment. And now oh, no. you, the scotch tape. <laughs> did you know you did that in the middle of the show? You stuck it on your forehead. I did? You did. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. I'm exfoliating. <laughs> it's cheap.
0: It's much cheaper than these expensive creams from my dermatologist. Much... I just put it right here yeah, in my pores know... and then huh
1: but you have to realize look at all that is that we can hear that oh we can (laughs) (laughs) can hear the tape we can hear and so yeah especially when you did it slowly (laughs) i'm I'm definitely i'm definitely a little tired i know i might be i know you are i don't know why so maybe i should rest up no, I think the, and when we come oh back next week gosh. we're removing the tape's gotta get out of the studio, Jake. We've gotta does. get it out of here. Because now see now she's doing see, now she's doing it like a <sighs> what are those things? <laughs>
0: it's like a pore strip. A
1: pore strip. Yeah. Don't.
0: Scotch tape has a whole market that they haven't tapped into.
1: <laughs> Very good. I'm sure yeah. that they'll be listening and they'll be on that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You have to say goodbye now.
0: Okay. Yeah. I will do that okay. actually. <laughs>
1: I will thank you. I'm gonna do <laughs>
0: All right, uh, we'll bye now. Bye bye. Okay, here's your tape. <laughs> You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash comedy There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you.